Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you in his whole or but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Okay. So we're gonna start out just by talking about holiness. The study is kind of the idea of what holiness is. I'm just gonna use a really simple illustration. Yeah, go ahead. Scoot right by my friend. Okay. So what holiness means is set apart for a purpose. It means pure, um, and it means something where basically like this water is set apart for a purpose. The purpose is I'm going to drink it because it's hot and I'm thirsty. But if I am to take a clump of dirt and just drop it into the water and like shake it in there, it's kind of just hanging out at the top. But, you know, if you were close up like me, you could see the dirt is permeating into the very infrastructure of the water. And you wouldn't want to drink it because you've got the gnarly dirt layer on the top, kind of like the root beer foam, but it's not good. It's a dirt layer. Um, The water is no longer holy. It's been impurified. It's been defiled. This water is not any longer set aside for a purpose. So just to give you guys that idea, holiness means for the Christian, you're pure and you're set aside for God to use you. You're pure, and you're set aside to worship God with your lives and to honor him with your lives. And holiness is something that, honestly, I don't think a lot of us sit around and like, really think, like, I want that. Like, if I were to go around the room before this study and just ask you guys, like, what do you want? Some of you guys would probably say, I want 1,000 followers on Instagram. Some of you guys would probably be like, I want new clothes. Some of you guys would be like, I want it to not be so hot. I want money, I want fame, I want a girlfriend, I want a boyfriend. But I don't think really anybody would be like, oh, holiness, absolutely, that's what I want. Give me holiness. Like, right now, give me some of that sweet, sweet holiness. And why? Is it just because it's like we're, we're not really thinking about spiritual concepts? I don't think that's it, because I think you guys think about spiritual things more than you give yourself credit for, and probably more than a lot of the adults in your life give you credit for. You guys probably think about spiritual things a lot. The reason I think you guys don't really sit around and think about, oh, I want holiness, is probably the same reason that I don't really sit around and think about that that often. It's because holiness is hard. Like, holiness is difficult. Look at that verse. Let's go... Uh, Back to verse 15, okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. It says, But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. It's saying, as God is holy, then you also be holy. Like, because Jesus is perfect and set apart and, like, called to a purpose, you also be that way. I don't know about you, but that, that verse stresses me out. Like, I read that, and I'm like, man, like, God is perfect and holy, and he's saying, you be that way? Like, you be set apart, you be holy, you be perfect like me? That that freaks me out, because perfection is impossible. But here's the encouraging thing. Check this out. So if you're a Christian, like, this is you. You're trying to be pure. You're trying to be spotless. You're trying to follow God, but you get dirty. You make mistakes. I don't know about you guys, but like I made mistakes like every day of my life. Like yesterday, made a mistake. Day before, <coughs> made a mistake. I do, I do dumb things. I do sinful things. I'm a, I'm a, inherently, I'm not a good person. I'm a bad person. And if you think that like, oh, on the inside, I'm a good person, it's not true. You're a liar. You're a bad person too. Here's the deal. As a Christian, we're, we're constantly just getting dirty. But if you follow Jesus, this is what happens. You come to him, and you bring your dirtiness to him, and you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
I'm unholy, I need to be holy. And what he does is he, he does this. He throws it out, and then he takes his pure holiness, and he just puts it back in. And you're clean, and you're good. And the awesome thing about it is, you know, you're going to get dirty again, and then he just goes like that again, and you come to him, and then he fills you back up. Like, it's awesome. It's continual, and it keeps going on and on. That's what it means to be a Christian. You're in this spot where because you have Jesus, God looks at you, and he says, you are holy because my son is holy. Like, that should be an encouragement to us. That should be something awesome to us. Jesus, he offers his holiness to you. The Bible says he imputes his holiness to us. He, he puts his holiness on us and makes us like him so that even though you know you've messed up when the father looks at you when god looks at you because you have jesus in your heart god sees you as pure and clean because of what his son has done for you that's really encouraging to me now does god require perfection you know when you read that verse be holy as i am holy i can read that and think god's saying be perfect as i am perfect i don't see it that way i see god doesn't require perfection for us he requires dependence on the one who is perfect, and a willingness, a willing heart to follow in the perfect one's footsteps. So basically, guys, like if you guys have had some religious trip in your mind and your heart, like, man, for me to be a Christian, that means I've got to be perfect, and I've got to just always be perfect and never make mistakes. That's never been what God has required of you. What he requires is for you to have full dependence on Jesus Christ. And I hope you're there tonight. And that's actually what this whole study is about tonight, is for those of you guys here who are willing to say, I'm not perfect, I know I'm not perfect, but I do want to be a follower. Um, You know, on Friday night, we brought that up, like, do we consider ourselves disciples? And in that circle of people, a lot of guys were just kind of like, ah, kind of, I guess, some of you guys were there. That really stuck in my heart, because I love you guys, I want you to be disciples. And I don't want you to be held back from being a disciple of Jesus, because you think, I'm not good enough. I'm not like him, I'm not like her, I sin, I make mistakes, I disrespect my parents sometimes, I sin, I, I, I'm angry, my thought life isn't good, my prayer life isn't good. I want you to know that God wants to recruit you into his disciple group, no matter who you are or how much sin you have. God says, he doesn't look at you and he says, he doesn't say, oh, you're perfect, so I'll recruit you. He looks at you and he says, I see what you could be. God doesn't look at what you are. He's not really concerned about your past. He's concerned about the potential of who you could be in him. So we're going to pray right now. And just just to like prepare our hearts for this study, I'm going to ask you guys. I'm going to say a prayer. And I want you guys, any of you guys who want to follow Jesus and you're here, it's the beginning of the school year, and you're like, man, I need to be a disciple. I need to follow Jesus. And I need to rely on him. I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can just repeat it in your head after me to help your heart get in the right place for this study to really receive what the Holy Spirit would say to you. Um, and if you don't feel that way, you don't have to pray with us, but I'd encourage you, if, if you want God to open up your heart to what the Holy Spirit would say to you, just, just pray along. So let's pray right now. Lord, help me to be a disciple. Lord, help me to be a follower. I'm not perfect. I can't do it on my own. I keep messing up and making mistakes. But I know that the only way that I can have a life that brings glory to you and joy to my heart is if I put my complete dependence in you, Jesus. Please take away my sin. Please help me to walk with you. And please help me, Lord, to receive whatever your spirit would say to me just in this message. In your name, amen. Hope you prayed that with me. And... um, 
what we're going to look at is just four simple things. These are just a couple verses. It's just verses 13 to 15, really. And honestly, um, it, is, it is short and sweet. And I, as I read it, I called the study the art of being set apart, right? Holiness, you're set apart for God's purposes. We're just going to look at four things that go along with being set apart. So the first one is going to be in verse 13. Look at it again. It says, uh, gird up the loins of your mind. That's like old people speak for put some pants on your mind. Um, and that's weird. Um, I'm not going to go into like what loins mean or anything like that. But basically what it's saying is, another translation, prepare your minds for action. Like just like if you were you know, in the army and you're sleeping in your bunk and you're, you have no pants on and the war breaks out, you're not going to run out there with no pants on. You've got to put the pants on and get out there so you can fight. It just, it just makes sense. So what, what Peter is saying here is prepare your minds for action. Now, uh, Brooklyn, her father-in-law, his name's Clayton. He's a really awesome guy. And uh, I remember hearing about how Clayton was always prepared for action because he was the kind of guy, he talks like this. And he's like, you got to come to my house and we'll talk about marketing. He's like a businessman. He's a great guy. Um, so he's got this whole strategy where whenever he takes his wife, Brooklyn's uh, mother, out to dinner, he's always preparing his mind for action. He's always looking at every exit. He's always checking out every person who comes in saying, does that guy look like a terrorist? Does that guy look like a, a criminal? And he's always like thinking like, okay, if that guy gets up, I'm going to grab this chair. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to grab D. We're going to run out that door. Like he's always preparing his mind for action. He's always got an exit strategy. I want to ask you guys, are you preparing your minds for action? As a Christian, are you preparing your minds and your heart for what's going to happen? Because the question, are, are, it's, as a Christian, it's not a question of, am I going to get tempted? No, you're going to get tempted as a Christian. Absolutely. Temptation is just around the corner. It's not a question of, what if I get tempted? It's a question of, when I get tempted, will I have the strength to endure because I've been setting my mind on Jesus? It's not a question of, are trials going to happen? They're absolutely going to happen. If Jesus says, if you're a Christian, you're going to face many trials. It's a question of when they happen, will you put your complete trust in Jesus to get through those trials? It's not a question of will you see hurting people at your school and in your friend groups who don't have Jesus and they're lost and they're alone and they're lonely and they're hurting. You're going to see those people all the time. The question is, are you going to have eyes of Jesus to see those people for who they are? Lost sinners who need a savior and God has called you to reach them with the gospel. You know, it'd be crazy. Like, can you imagine... Some of you girls are on a cheerleading team, you know? Um, can you imagine if at practice, like, the girls on the squad just, like, never even talked about cheer? Like, never even, like, mentioned, like, like they, they were talking the whole time, but just everybody there, they were just focused on whatever TV show they watched last night. Or, like, for some of you guys, you guys like video games, you know? And let's say you're playing Call of Duty online, and just, you're trying to fight but everybody is like, like their little like uh, video game 3D model guys. They're like standing in a corner and everyone's just like text chatting about like, did you watch American Idol last night? Like, can you, you'd be like, hey, get your head in the game. Like, this is what we're here for. We're here to like blow each other's brains out because this is Call of Duty. In the same way, in a more serious way, soldiers on the battlefield, like it would be ridiculous if they never talked about the battle. Like it would be crazy if you were a soldier in a foxhole and there's bombs going off all around you and you're just sitting there talking about the sports game you watched last night with your friends when there's explosions going around. But the reality is, in a spiritual war, 
which is what we're in. Like, it's a war for souls. There's people all around us who are dying and going to hell. So often we're just so focused on our lives and, and our just day-to-day things, like our classes and our teachers and our friends and what we want to do for entertainment. And that's normal. We're human beings, but God is calling us to something more. He says, prepare your minds for action. Gird up the loins of your mind. Here's some ways you can do that. Best way, simple way, if you want to prepare your mind for action, just two simple things. One, pray and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, I'm your servant. Like, I know I'm a 11th grade girl. I know I'm a 9th grade boy, you know, but I love you and I, I want to serve you. Here I am. Whatever you want to do for me, send me. Whatever you want to do with me, send me. And the second thing is open the word like this, this, this amazing book that people shed their blood for for years so that we could hold it in our hands. And there's people uh, in foreign countries who literally, like, all they have is one page of the Bible, and yet they hand copy it tons of times and pass it around to their friends because that's all they have. We have the whole book, and if you're like me, you probably have 10 different versions sitting on your shelves at home. God is calling us to open up his word expectantly, not selfishly. Sometimes I open up the word, I'm like, man, I've had a really bad day, I've had a rough week. God, please bless me when I read this. And then I read it, and it's like Leviticus. I'm like, oh, it was depressing. Uh, I don't want to learn about ritual animal sacrifice. But really, I'm reading it selfishly. I'm saying, God, what can you do for me? And it's, I mean, God is going to do stuff for you. Like, God loves you. You're his kids. He wants to bless you. Make no mistake about that. God wants to bless you. But I want to encourage you. Open up this book as a young person and say, God, how can this lead me to glorify you? How can reading your word lead me to bring you glory in my life? Because that's where we really experience joy, guys, is when we are bringing glory to God. Look at verse 13 again. So it says, oops, it's on the other page. Verse 13, therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Okay, stop right there. It says be sober. Now, New King James Version, it says be sober. If you look at other versions, it translates that to be self-controlled. And that's really a great parallel because uh, any of you guys ever seen uh, any drunk people? Yeah? Drunk people in your life, drunk people on YouTube, drunk people, you know, just around. Make it. Do drunk people make good decisions ever? No, like drunk people do terrible things. I was watching this video of this guy on YouTube who was drunk, and he's like, oh, sweet, guys, bring that lighter over here. And he, like, lit his hair on fire, and he thought it was awesome for a minute until he was screaming in pain. Like, when you're drunk... You let your guard down, you let your mind down, and you make stupid mistakes. And it happens all the time. And really, a lot of times we're not drinking from the well of self-control. We're drinking from our own sinful desires, and we're getting drunk off of it. And, you know, for a lot of us, it's in, in our world, we see it laid out that control is actually not the best thing. Like, controls for wimps. If you want to really experience life, like, think about the Incredible Hulk from Marvel. Like, his whole deal is lack of self-control. Like, he is a weak, pathetic scientist who is probably the most annoying character in the Marvel movies. He's just always, like, no one really likes Bruce Banner. You're just like, oh, get out of here, man. But when he gets mad and loses control, then he's able to do great things. Same thing in uh, Star Wars. If you guys remember, you know, if, does anyone remember Luke Skywalker? Like, I know... Uh, A lot of you guys are big Star Wars fans, but for me, uh, you know, and guys like Jake and Scott and Rebecca, you know, we we were around during Star Wars. Um, But uh, Luke Skywalker, he doesn't actually beat Vader and Emperor Palpatine until he loses control of his anger. 
Oh, well, okay. Anyway. <laughs> he becomes enraged, and that's the only way he wins, is he just starts slicing people over with his lightsaber. And so that's one way people get, they get drunk on their lack of self-control. Um, and it's crazy. Lack of self-control really shows us, like, the depth of the wickedness of the human heart. And it's crazy. I mean, I, I'm not, I will never say that anyone is worse than me. Like, I am a huge, huge sinner. But it's just interesting when you see sin right out in the open. Um, uh, right now in Syria and other countries, there is, because of ISIS, just a ton of refugees who are fleeing <laughs> from countries to find safety from ISIS. And um, my friend Phil Metzger, he's this missionary, he's been posting all about it. Like, he showed this picture on Facebook, and there's all these refugees, and police are trying to help them and, and put them in refugee camps. But it's all these people, like men, women, and children who've been displaced from their homes. Well, it's crazy. I was watching a news clip, and there's some lady who's a camera lady, and she's Hungarian, and I guess she's racist towards Syrians or something, but as the Syrian people are fleeing from their country to come into Hungary... It was the weirdest thing. She was a camera lady. As the, as the refugees started coming in, she starts kicking them. She starts just, like, like kicking them. And, like, I'm like, what is going on? And then a man is carrying a baby, and she trips the guy. And he, like, falls and drops the baby. And he literally gets up, and he's like, he says something in a foreign language, but it's probably, like, what the heck in his language. It was so bizarre, but I was just like, wow, what evil in someone's heart causes them to do something to another fellow human being? What we need is we need self-control. Because if not, the wickedness that is in our heart, it's not going to be good. And you might not be tripping, tripping Syrian refugees, but you're going to be doing something wrong. I want to encourage you, self-control. Self-control is what we're talking about. We want to have control over our hearts and minds. I was just talking to a guy, a guy that I love really a lot, you know? And he was just having a rough day, and he called me, and he was like, man, like, I just don't know what to do. Like, I was you know, out in my apartment, and these people were trash-talking my family, you know, my parents, and, you know, I wanted to go beat them up, you know, I wanted to just go punch them, but then my, my dad was like, you know, hey, get back in the house, you know, don't do that, so then I, I was like, oh, like, I want to go punch them, uh, I don't want to listen to my dad, I want to go out there, and he was having a hard time with self-control, and he's like, I don't, he's like, I only saw two options, either stay inside my house and be angry that they are dissing my family and punch a hole through the wall, or go out there and punch them. Like, those are my only two options. What else could I do? And what I told him was like, dude, there's an option number three. It's give it to the Lord. Like, go to God and ask him to give you control for your actions. Pray and ask the Lord. I want to read you guys a a message that one of my friends who's a youth pastor uh, wrote me. He said, um, so tonight was the first night of my Back to the Future series. I decorated the youth room with tire tracks, a clock tower, and a cable running from the clock to the power pole with a hook in it, just like the original movie. Some of you guys are like, what the heck is Back to the Future? It's a great movie. Watch it. Anyway, he said, while on the ladder, putting finishing touches, one side started to fail. I fell, busted my knee, but saved the side from falling, only to see the other side fall and shatter into a million pieces. I spent the two hours before the youth service redoing the whole set. I was frustrated. I was limping from my knee in pain. I went into my office to scream. Then two of my students' parents were there, and they came into my office, and they wanted to pray with me, but I said, I don't have time to pray. I'm I'm too stressed out. I've got to start this youth service. They sat me down, prayed an amazing prayer, anointed me with oil, and that led to the best night at youth I've had in years. Sorry it's so long, I just wanted to share with you all and say that we should never get so busy that we can't take time to pray. Most of you probably did not need it, but I still wanted to share. I think that's great. Like, it's just this idea of, like, when we feel like we're losing it. I've had days like that. Seriously, guys, 
I don't usually get mad at people. Like some of you guys like think like, oh, Aaron like came and told me to stop throwing bricks down there. He's mad at me. Like you haven't seen me really mad. Like I don't really get mad at people. But when I'm by myself and I'm like trying to fix something, I get angry. I start like, like I don't swear, but I start saying like random words. I'm like, wrestle, wrestle, like the, like the guy in uh, Home Alone, you know, uh, like he can't, re- it's like, it's like a movie where he can't really cuss. So he's just like making up, ram- that's what I do. I'm just like grumbling, rambling, all noises like, rah, 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 underneath my breath. Cause I'm so angry and I'm like sweating. The other day I, we bought this whole new bed and I took apart our old bed and I was trying to put together the new bed and this one screw kept popping out and I was just like, rah, rah, like I was so mad. I was just like, yeah, anyway. Lack of self-control and what the Lord has to tell me all the time, because my problem isn't patience with people. I have a lot of patience with people I've found, but just situations like like when I get pulled over and I get a ticket for something or when um, something breaks, like I just I lose my self-control and God just continues to remind me, Aaron, go to me in prayer like it's good that you find yourself in situations that you feel like you can't handle because then you become so much more reliant on me. And guys, I know that you guys are in situations right now where you're losing your self-control. Either you're getting frustrated or more likely you're probably being tempted and you're giving into sin. And there's probably sometimes where you feel like I just can't resist. You can. Like the Lord has given you that power. And just like we had that, that dirty cup with the dirt in it, like if you pray and you say, God, give me your spirit, he empties out your spirit and he fills you with his own and you're able to resist. So I just want to encourage you, the number two thing is have self-control. The only way you can do that is through the Spirit of God. Let's look at uh, the third thing. This is in, it's in verse, uh, I'm not sure. I think it's in verse 14. says, man, I'm in James. Well, I'm just going to read it from my translation. I think it's verse 13. Set your hope. This is awesome. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Set your hope fully on Jesus. Basically, set your hope on Christ alone. That's what Jake's going to be teaching on in a few weeks. Just the idea of Christ alone is all we need. Christ alone. Just We're not going to go into a whole study about that, but just in this section, guys, I mean, you can't put your hope in anything besides Jesus and expect to have any hope in your life. Um, I, there's this Instagram feed that I follow called uh, Comfortable Christianity. It's so stinking funny. You guys should look it up. It's just like memes making fun of, as Christians, how lazy and unspiritual we are at times. And I like it because I get convicted, and it's funny. Um, I was reading one today, and a guy said that um, he's, he saw this gangster, this big old gangster guy. And on one arm, he had a tattoo of Jesus. And on the other arm, he had a tattoo that was like money before women, but he didn't use the word women. He used a more derogatory war- uh, word for women. Um, so really lame. So it's like on one arm, he's got, a, he's got Jesus. And on the other arm, he's got like money is the most important thing to me. And I disrespect women in my life if, in order to get money. Like that's what this guy is saying. And the meme said Jesus was like sitting on the bench with this guy. And he's like, bro, I want to be in your heart, not on your arm. And I thought that that was really good because... I think, we need, I think you guys need to ask yourself the question, is your faith an inward heart thing or just one of your, your outward tattoos? And you guys are like, I don't have tattoos. Here's what I mean. Like, outwardly, we have a bunch of things that make up our identity. You know, like maybe you've got, this is my football tattoo. This is my cheerleading tattoo. 
This is my video game tattoo. This is my friend's tattoo. Like, you've got all these things that you like to display. Like, oh, this is my, like, I like to be a cute hipster Instagrammer, and all my pictures are perfectly framed and color-coded. And if you look at my uh, Instagram feed, it's like every, like, image is, like, the right shade of color and stuff. It's like, you know, that's how we can be sometimes. We, we have different things where it's like that makes up our identity, and Jesus is just part of that. It's just, oh, yeah, this is, Jesus is part of my identity. You know, he's just, this is my church tattoo. I go uh, to youth camps, and I get really fired up and I go to church and it's awesome. That's just a part of my life. Jesus says, I want to be your whole life. I don't want to just be a slice of the cake. I want to be the whole thing. I know I talk about cake a lot. I'm sorry. Anyway, we put our hope in a lot of false hopes. Like we, we set our hope on a lot of things that are false. Like I've seen many, when I, especially when I was a junior high pastor, you, you guys have been doing surprisingly well unless there's things I don't know, which I probably don't. But in junior high, I knew everything. It was awesome. You guys were so bad at keeping secrets in junior high. Oh my gosh. Anyway, in junior high, um, you know, I would see you guys just, you know, and not just you guys, but other kids, just put their hope in relationships. You know, it's like, oh man, this girl, she's everything. It's gotta be her. And if it's not her, my whole world will fall apart and shatter. And it's like, dude, you're in sixth grade. What are you doing? You're crazy. I've seen people put their hopes in relationships that fell apart. Maybe for you, it's, it's money or achievements. For, for me, it was like, I've got to have people like me, and I've got to like, be the funny guy and make people laugh at me, or I have no worth or no identity unless people like me. Like, fill in the blank. Like, what is it for you that you look at and you're, you put your hope in to get through high school? This is my hope. For some of us, it's even pleasure. Any of guy, you guys ever heard of a guy named Charles Bukowski? Anyone ever heard of that guy? Raise your hand if you've heard of Charles Bukowski. Yes. Oh, no. Okay. Well, have you? Really? Okay. Neither have I. I have no idea who he is. But he had this, he had this quote. And, said, and this is totally like just the way the world thinks with their, their false hope, flawed logic mentality. Find what you love. Listen, listen. This is Charles Bukowski's awesome quote that I'm sure that all the people who are throwing great Gatsby-style parties are just going, yes, at this quote. Find what you love and let it kill you. Find what you love and let it kill you. It's, it's, that's like the heart of like human pleasure-seeking debauchery. It's just, hey, man, if you like alcohol, you drink that until it kills you. Like you want to do drugs, man, do that until it, like just, just go out doing what you love. I've heard that before. Go out doing what you love. That's the mentality that a lot of people have. I've seen that a lot in just kind of gangster rap culture. It's just like, like man, I want to die on a pile of money with women all around me, just high on drugs. I've heard people say that before. That's what they're living for. Find what you love and let it kill you. But I say, find the one who loves you and let him give you life. Like, find Jesus and let him replace all the fake, false notions of what life is and give you true hope. And again, hope, that's, that's why we're going with this new name, Anchor of Hope, is because I really, or Hope's Anchor, is because I truly believe that you guys at high school, you're going to be constantly pulled by the enemy to put your hope in things that don't matter and things that'll hurt you. And when I was your age, it was constantly feeling like I wasn't enough. And it was always like, maybe if I do this, people likely. Maybe if I do this, I'll succeed. Maybe if I'll do this, I'll be okay. Maybe if I do this, people will accept. And, and God just looks at you. Sorry, I'm stuttering. Maybe I'll do this and people will accept me. And God looks at you and he says, I already love you. I already accept you. I already have a great plan for your life. I already want to help you. A great plan for your life doesn't mean that you're going to have tons of money, but it does mean you're going to have tons of joy. 
even though as a Christian you may face hard things, even as a Christian you may go through difficult things, God's plan for your life is to bring glory to him, whatever that looks like. And for some of you, you might go through hard things and difficult things through that, but in the end, you will be so much more joyful than the person with the most money and the most drugs and the most girlfriends or boyfriends in the world. You have so much more joy and fulfillment than them because God is the only one who can fulfill that hole in our heart. And if we're trying, I've said this before, you guys have heard this, but I hope you get it. Seriously, if we're not putting our hope in Christ alone, we're like the guy who's drowning in the water and uh, he's just like, hey, throw me that anvil. Like, there's, like, a ship, and there's a giant, you know, an anvil? Like, uh, remember in Looney Tunes, it was those giant, like, stone uh, blacksmith blocks that, like, that's heavy. It's, like, drowning, and there's a ton of life preservers, a huge stack of life preservers, but you say, throw me the anvil, that'll save me. That, anything but Christ is an anvil that'll drag us down sinking faster than anything. You guys need Christ. You need to be reading your Bibles, not because it's, like, that's the Christian thing to do, because your youth pastor said so. No, you need to read it because, like Peter said, Jesus has the words of life. And I'm not just talking about the Gospels. Every word of the Bible is inspired by Christ. Like, Jesus is behind all of the scriptures. So you can read any section of the Bible, and you can find Jesus, and you can find what he would say to you through it. Guys, you need the word, and you need to pray. You need to go to God and depend on him. Don't, it's the beginning of the school year. You have such an opportunity to start this year right but I feel like some of you guys, probably like I did many times, you've started the school year and already you're just running off fumes. You're running off yourself and your own efforts and your own power. Give it to the Lord. What is it? What is it? Is it a bee? What is it? Oh, it's a June bug. All right. It's not even June. Gosh. Lame joke. I'm going to take this moment to uh, take a drink. Oh, I think I emptied it into that dirt water cup. It's yes. clean now. Well, there's actually a little bit of dirt on the edges, but uh, that doesn't apply to the actual Jesus illustration. So. All right, last point. I told you this would be a short one. Last point. Last point is throw off the funeral clothes. Let's all say that. Let's be like one of those cool groups that repeats things. One, two, three. Throw off the funeral clothes. Then let's all go, yay. Yay. Okay, that was lame. Let's never do that again. Agreed? Agreed. Okay. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Does anyone have the uh, New King James version of that handy? <coughs> New King James, anybody? Yeah. Can you read that? Just I want to get the other translation 14. too. Uh, yeah, verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. There we go. So this is, I'm not even going to say a lot about this. This is just really simple. He's talking about former evil desires or lusts, as he calls them. Now, lust doesn't always have to be a sexual thing. The Bible talks about different lusts. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, which technically isn't a lust. So it's not the three. The there's different types of lusts, and you can look at somebody in a sexual way and lust after them and want to do something sketchy with them, but you can also lust after riches, after power, after pride. You can look at, um, your, you can look at your school and be like, man, I want to be the greatest in my school. I want to be the top of my class. Like, I want to be valedictorian. And like, that's, I mean, it's not like it's a bad thing to be valedictorian, but if that consumes you and that's your whole focus and you're not even spending time with the Lord at all because you just want to be top of your class then 
you're lusting after success. There's so many different ways that we can do it. And another thing is sin. We can, it's like lust is just, it's, it's a desire for something that's not good, you know, in, in that kind of mentality. It's when you look at something and that's, that's sinful and you just want it and you don't care like what it takes, but you're going to get it. That's what we do. Our flesh is always lusting. Our flesh is always, like some of you guys might struggle with, you know, impure things like that. But, you know, for some of you guys who don't have that struggle, maybe it's not that, but maybe it's other things. Maybe it's just, it's the friends that you hang out with or it's drugs or alcohol or, you know, fill in the blank. But it's something that you just have to have and you, you can't explain it, but it's just this, this desire in your flesh to go after it. God acknowledges that that's normal. Like, it's, it's actually built into humans to lust after things that are wrong. But check it out. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil lusts that you had when you lived in ignorance. If you follow Jesus, you no longer live in ignorance. Your eyes have been opened to the fact of who God is. And you've been made alive. You once were dead. You once walked in your sin. You were dead in your sin, dead to God. And he has made you alive. And so, honestly... If you're a Christian and you find yourself, like maybe, you know, you've got your, your church side of your life, your school side of your life, and then you've got your sin side of your life, and you keep them separate, and you sin, and you know you're going to sin, you don't really care, and then you come on Sunday and you say, Lord, forgive me, and you just keep that cycle, and there's no repentance in your heart, it's like, honestly, it'd be like if you died, you got buried in the ground, you rotted, you got buried in your clothes, and your clothes became filthy rags, and then you got brought back to life. Like, just imagine that. You know, you're dead, you're in the ground for like a year. And then somebody comes and raises you from the dead, and your skin grows back, and the dead grave clothes fall off. You know, like Lazarus in the Bible, he's like mummy clothes. You know, they all fall off, and it's just this stinking, smelly, rotten pile of like flesh and, and dirty old clothes. Oh my goodness, it's okay. Come on, man. But just imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine if you were to go. Start living your life alive again, but then you went back to the graveyard, you dug up your grave, you got your rotting, stinking grave clothes out, and you put them on. Like, if any of your friends did that, you'd be like, you were absolutely insane. But that's what we do. Honestly, the Bible refers to it as, it's like a dog vomiting, and then like leaving and coming back to snack on the vomit. Like, that's what the Bible says. But that's what we do. That's what I've done. I have sinned, walked away from it, and then instead of leaving it forever, have gone, maybe that wasn't as bad as it was, and then gone back to it and done it again. That's wrong. I want to challenge you guys tonight. Throw off the funeral clothes. Throw off the grave clothes. God has given you new white robes to wear. But remember, it's not robes of perfectness. It's not like, what, like can you imagine if Jesus was like, listen, I have made you clean. I'm going to give you these white robes. If you get even a speck, of dirt on these white robes, I will destroy you. Like, can you imagine? I would be like, I don't think I want to be a Christian. Like, I'd be scared of that. That's not what God does. He doesn't say, here's these perfect robes. Don't get them dirty. If you do, I'll destroy you. God gives you those robes knowing full well that at some point you are going to get them dirty again, but he invites you to continually come back to him to get clean. That's what it's about. Now, it's not about saying like, oh, sweet, I can just sin as much as I want and God will forgive you. If that's your mentality, you may not even be walking with Jesus at all, if, honestly, if that's your mentality. But if you understand that you're called to walk with Jesus and every time you fall, he is there to pick you back up 
Every time you go out and get dirty, he says, come to me and I will make you clean. That's where I want you guys to be. That's where I want you guys to understand. And just, just, a, final, just a final thought, because, um, you know, uh, uh, I remember when, like, Snapchat first came out. At first, I was, like, super sketched out, because Snapchat, if you don't know, it's got some sketchy origins. The people who made it were sketchy, and they made it for sketchy reasons, and they were very misogynistic and lame towards women. But I realized that a lot of you guys use Snapchat for totally innocent reasons. I tried it for like a week and I gave up because I'm too old. I was like, this, I don't even know if anyone's looking at these. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, like, I feel like I'm just like, like throwing dirt into the wind and I have no idea if anyone saw it. You know, the trees falling in the forest, but if no one heard it, did it make a sound? That's, that's how I feel with Snapchat. So anyway, you guys keep doing it, but for me, I'll bow out for now. But um, I remember when it first started coming around, Christian started videotaping me all the time. I'd be in my office, and you guys know it's the Snapchat effect. People are now always trying to catch people when they're just, like, like making a stupid face. Or I saw one recently with Aaron Frizzi, like, was zooming in on damn Dotosh when a tiny tear was, like, running down his eyes, and he was, like, talking about bagels or something in the backseat of the car. I don't know. But it's like people are always trying to catch each other doing things that are dumb, and, and they're trying to get them on camera. And... and you know, that was frustrating. I actually told Christian, I was like, stop filming me. It's really embarrassing. I don't want to be on your Snapchat. Get me off of that, Christian. But then I realized, you know, even though I feel like now I'm always being watched and we always have to be on guard because people might be snapping us at any moment. <laughs> what? Love you, Aaron. Someone's probably Snapchatting me right now. You jerks. <laughs> but here's what, I, here's what I realized. Honestly, the Lord... The Lord is, come on, conclusion sorry, time. Sorry. It's okay, I love you. As much as we're always on guard that someone might be snapping us, we're trying to be on our best behavior, trying to make sure we have no food in our teeth, trying to make sure we look cool for that two-second snap or whatever. We've got to make sure we look good. The Lord's always with us. The Lord's always watching. The Lord sees everything. And if you think of that just as like that, like, hey, like, just so you know, the Lord sees everything, so be good. It's like Santa Claus. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. If your whole mentality is just like, oh, I got to be good because the Lord's watching me and I want to be on his good list, that's lame. But if you realize that God is always with you and he sees everything, he sees you when you're depressed. He sees you when you're down. He sees you when you're hurting. He sees you when you're tempted and about to give in to sin and he is fighting on your behalf to help you resist that temptation. He sees you when you blow it. He sees you when you make those mistakes. And he stands ready and willing to forgive you if you will come to him. He sees you at every moment where there is potential for you to do something glorifying for the kingdom of God. And he is cheering. Just like if you guys have ever been in a sports game and a really um, just supportive person shows up and they're cheering you and they're cheering you on. That's God. He sees you and he sees the potential. Like, man, that person over there, you could totally bless them. That kid at the lunch tables, they're lonely. Go sit with them. Like, man, like your mom, like there's dishes in the sink and your mom's tired. Like, go bless her. Go do the dishes for your mom. Like, God sees all these amazing opportunities for you to build his kingdom. And he's cheering. And he's drawing you with his spirit to follow. I just want to encourage you, cast off those funeral clothes. Those are weighing you down. And come to God and say, God, give me your clean robes. I want to walk with you. I want every day to be a day where I walk with you and where you lead me by your spirit to what you have for me. So that's all I got for tonight. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, hope you're blessed. We're going to pray, and then um, I'm going to have Brooklyn take the girls inside, and guys will chill out here. And um, Brooklyn, I think um, for tonight, spend just, we have, we have a full hour 
spend a little bit of the time talking as all the girls in the group, but then split up into smaller groups and you guys can go pray with each other and encourage one another. We'll do the same for the guys, okay? Sound good, everybody? Cool. All right, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you so much just for these simple verses about preparing our minds for action, preparing our minds, Lord, for the battle ahead. Lord, we thank you just for just these charges that you've given us, Lord, to be holy. And God, I know that I can't do that without your help. I can't be pure. I can't be spotless. God, I'm going to get angry. I'm going to get depressed. I'm going to just give in to my flesh at times and get impatient with people. Lord, I am a sinner. And I mess up all the time. I thank you, God, that you don't judge me by who I am, but you judge me by who my son, or who your son is, and who I am in your son. God, I pray for these kids that you'd help them to understand that they don't have to be perfect, they just have to be a follower. And God, I pray that you, if there's any kid here, any student here, who even at the beginning of this didn't pray that prayer, and didn't want to engage, and just said, I can't be a follower, I'm not good enough, I can't follow Jesus, I can't give in to what God has for me. God, I pray that right now with your spirit, you'd reach in and you'd wake them up to the reality that you're calling them to not have a saved soul and a wasted life. You're calling them, Lord, to have a full, rich, powerful life for you. A life that'll be hard at times and difficult and a struggle, but where you'll be with them every step of the way to guide them to your glory and your kingdom. God, I pray that this would not just be a group of kids who like to hang out and listen to Bible studies or just like to be church kids. I pray that you would raise up in this group a generation of disciples who will change the world for you. God, I pray that in years to come, we'd see a lot of fruit from this high school group. A lot of people in different parts of the world sharing the gospel, having awesome families that love you, doing ministry, some working in churches and some working out in the world, but every one of these people doing ministry And by that, I mean serving your kingdom. Lord, help us to have a mentality to show up here at youth group and not say, God, what can you do for us? But help us to show up saying, God, what can we do for you? And thank you that we know that you're already going to do things for us. God, what can we do for you? Help us to have that heart, God. We love you. In your name, amen.